we continue the tour de force of, 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 of St. John, the, these Joannine passages for the last several weeks are so incredibly powerful. And, and each week we've looked for a key to help us understand what's going on here. And, and I think we get a, a key from St. Paul when he writes to the Corinthians. He says, Christ must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Today, I really believe, is, is a good day of looking at death and its, its incredible correlative, the God correlative of life. But we cannot get to life until we go through death. And I am afraid we don't do death well in our culture. I'm not quite sure if we're doing it well worldwide, but for sure in the one in which we live and walk and move and have our being, we, we, we hold two opposites together. Simultaneously, we are utterly obsessed with death, but we can't look at it straight in the eye. We always see it on the side, but it's always lingering over us. And, and at exactly the same time, we live in a culture of denial. It's not going to happen to us. We're going to keep this body as long, alive as long as we possibly can. And yet, when we get to a certain age, it, it cannot be denied anymore. It must be looked at. I, I, I must confess, I, I look at it because I'm getting to that age almost every day and wondering, how's it going to be? What's it going to be? I know that it's the ultimate transition. How, how's it going to happen? You know, Woody Allen, Woody Allen once quipped, he says, you know, I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. You know? <laughs> I, I'm not sure if we're really that afraid of dying, especially if we walk by, by faith and, and not by, by sight. But the, the world in general and the world in which we live and the culture in which we live in is very much afraid of it. And yet... And yet, if God is about anything, and if the incarnation of God is about anything, it is about life, the fullness of life. You know, in, in, in John's Gospel, there is no transfiguration where in the synoptics we see the glory of God revealed in Jesus who is bright as light and clothed as white as can be and, 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 and everybody is bowing down before him with Moses and Elijah. There's nothing like that in John. Because John's idea of glory is not somebody sitting on a throne lording it over with the angels in the incense pots. John's idea of glory is this. This is God's glory, bringing life to his creation bringing life to God's creation. And so the entire Gospel of John is basically an epiphany. And, 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 and this life is revealed a little bit at a time, a little more, a little more, a little more. There, there are basically, somebody counted them up, and, I, and, I, and it's true, there are, there are seven signs in John's Gospel that reveal more and more and more life until the ultimate sign, which is the one that we will celebrate during the Triduum, the ultimate sign. Now, by the way, John, like you've told you before, does not call them miracles. John is anti-miracle. He he's not interested in the wow factor. What he's interested in is transformation, is entering into that fullness of life that God wants to pour into each and every one of us. And so the very first sign that he gives is, of course, at the wedding feast of Cana, where he turns the water into wine. What? 
to keep the party going. The life of the party is the wine, and if the wine isn't there, then the party of life can't be going. The, the next sign that he gives is the healing of the, of the official's son so that, so that the official can receive back his son. The life that he gave to his son, he now receives back to him. There's that wonderful story of the, of the paralytic at, at, at Bethsaida, and, 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 and the waters are waiting to be stirred, and he can't get in there. And Jesus says, what do you want to do? Do you want to live? Do you want to walk? Well, nobody will do it. Well, he's, he's going to give him life from his fear that it's not going to happen for him. And so he gives him that, that more, more life. The feeding of the 5,000, the disciples are all upset. We don't have enough resources. He says, of course you got the resources. Use what you got. There's enough to feed the world and to feed the bodies. It's our greed, not our need, that we are getting caught in. And then last Sunday we had this beautiful healing of the, of the blind man so that, so that the soul can see through the eyes of the soul. And today, the resuscitation of Lazarus. It's, it's a wonderful story. The resuscitation of Lazarus is, is like the prelude. It's the warm-up. For the biggie, because the biggie isn't a resuscitation. Lazarus is going to die again. As a matter of fact, they're planning Lazarus's death at the at the banquet that uh, that uh, that Mary is is breaking the aromatic nard over Jesus's feet and wiping him with with her hair. He's gonna he's gonna die again. But it it is the warm up for the great mystery. The great pouring out of life, which is the glory of God. St. Irenaeus put it this way. The glory of God is humankind. Me, you, all of the world, all of God's creation, alive. Fully, absolutely alive. Now, we find this story in chapter 11, and I mentioned that, you know, Jesus was very close to Mary and Martha, and, and he loved them. And in a human way, this is human love and divine love. It's a mixture with Jesus, but the human love is there. There's this wonderful, beautiful attraction between them. And, and, and we mentioned the story that, that Mary indeed breaks open the aromatic nard worth thousands of dollars by today's standards. And of course, Judas says we can be using that to feed the poor, and Jesus, Jesus will have none of that. There's only one problem with this. This happens... We're reading this story in chapter 11. Mary doesn't do it till chapter 10, chapter 12. So what's going on here? Uh, obviously, one of John's scribes was into the schnapps a little too much. <laughs> and he got it a little mixed up. Uh, that's what you would normally think. It's the same thing with how all the days that it, he's, he's sticking around and how long he's been in the tomb. But I, I got a hunch, you know, John is way too clever for that. What he's trying to say by this incredible over-the-top extravagance of Mary is that it's symbolic of the incredible over-the-top extravagance of God in his love for, for God's creation. God's love for all that he has. It's literally over the top. So Jesus hears the news, uh, and, 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 and he proclaims to his disciples, this sickness will not end in death. What's he about? He's about life. He's going to give life. Every sign that he gives is a sign of life. It's not going to end in, in, in death. And, and, of course, 
Mary is sending an urgent, and Martha is sending an urgent request. Now, when we get on the news of someone that we love is dying, we're on the next plane. We're, we're going to get there. Jesus is, doesn't seem to be in any hurry. Jesus hears how seriously ill Lazarus is, and he twiddles his thumbs for two days. And, and it makes us wonder, what, what are you trying to say? Well, the first thing he says is, Lazarus has fallen asleep. Well, if you fall asleep, it looks like death, but it's not because you're going to wake up again. So I think it's kind of a precursor of what he's going to do. And, of course, the disciples don't get it. They think he's talking about natural sleep. He says, no, no, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad because now you're going to see God give life. God pour out life. In every life-giving sign that Jesus, all those seven signs that Jesus does, the, 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 the final line in almost each one of those, especially remember at the beginning in Cana when he changes the water to wine, and his disciples began to believe in him. That's the big deal. Everywhere you go, John is trying to get us to believe that this is the Son of God, that he comes from God, and God and he are of one piece. And when you see the Son, you see the Father. This is an incredible leap of faith, especially for the Jewish community, because here, O Israel, your God is one. There is no duplicity. There is no trinity that we are going to discover later on. Uh, for, so this is the great scandal, and he's trying to overcome this by saying, by showing these signs. And by this sign, will people begin to believe in him? So he shows up two days later. Now, I don't know how far he's traveling, but it's been four days now since Lazarus is dead. And Martha comes out. Now, you know, I love Martha. Martha is the neurotic. That's why I love Martha. Martha is wound just a little too tight, but she's proactive. She, she, you know, Mary's sitting at home weeping and mourning and grieving, and Martha's going, he's coming, I'm going to go see him. So she goes out, she meets the Lord, and I love the opening line. Her opening line is, and it, it's always, it's, it's my opening line, Lord, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. Where were you when I needed you? I really think that's the prayer of everybody to the Lord is sometimes when, we, when we're praying, especially for someone or a situation that seems like it's almost hopeless, that God's going to intervene and make it all better. And then sometimes it seems like he didn't. Obviously, it seems like he didn't at this, at this stance. So she's got a complaint, it's, it's a, it's, and it's, it's a legitimate human complaint. Well, why, why didn't you come? You know, later on, the Jews are going to say he opened the eyes of the blind man. Couldn't he have done something about Lazarus? That's, that's the question. Where, where are you when we need you? And yet, Mary, she's going to hedge your bet. She, she's so good. I love Martha. I mean, Martha. Martha is so, Martha, you're so good. You are so good. Martha's going to hedge her bet. Martha's, Martha's saying, but, but I still know that God will do whatever you ask him. And then, then Jesus says, he, he's got a beautiful, this, this, this colloquy between Jesus and Martha is absolutely magnificent. And Jesus says to, well, your brother will rise. 
your brother will rise. And she gives him the theology of the day. She, she, she's heard Jesus talk about the resurrection of the dead and, and the life of the world to come. And, 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 and then she says, well, yeah, I know, I know. I know the theology. I know he's going to rise in the last day. And then he lets loose. Ego a me. I am. Where have we heard that before? Where we heard that before, I am the good shepherd, I am the gatekeeper. Uh, I am is the name, of course, we've heard that God gives to Moses out of the burning bush. I am not a being, I am being. I am not a lover, I'm love. I'm not death, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Now he's going for her. He's going for her. Martha, do you believe this? Now Mary may have been the one sitting at the feet of the Lord, but Martha right now is miles ahead of her. And Martha is the first one to say. And, and, and what she's about to say is no different what, than what Peter said when Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? Jesus' profession and confession of faith is, is, is God-given. Uh, Thomas, after the resurrection, put your fist in my side and your fingers in my nail prints and, and no longer disbelieve but believe. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. What does Martha say? This is incredible. And this is all that Jesus wants. To believe in the Son of God. To believe that we are not alone. To believe that life will always win. We may have to go through darkness and death, but life will always be there. And what does she respond? Oh, yes, Lord, I've come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Beautiful, powerful. She calls her sister Mary, and Mary comes out, and, and, and of course the Jews who have been comforting her come out along with her. And Mary is just, uh, she can't stop crying. Now, there's something about the power of tears and the power of love. And when we have a great loss, if it, we, we, oh, the greatest gift that God can give us is the gift of tears because it is letting out from the depths of our soul, the connecting, the connecting tissue between our souls and the divine are tears. And she's crying her eyes out, and Jesus sees her. And this is the human Jesus, okay? John is really big on the divine Jesus, much more than the synoptics are. But right now, he's going to unveil the human Jesus, the, the one who loved Lazarus. And the three simple words in this gospel says everything we need to know about what it means to be a compassionate human being. And Jesus wept. And Jesus wept. To, to know that we have the divine human one who walks every step of the way with us, every mile that we go, every pain that we endure, every suffering that beholds us and holds on to us. 
We're not alone in that suffering. A God and the human Jesus who suffers with us and enters into our pain, enters into our death. It's the only way through. (sighs) Then Jesus says, take away the stone. What is the stone? The stone is the obstacle. The stone is keeping us from being who we are called to be, and that's fully alive. The stone is whatever addiction that we are addicted to. The stone is whatever is holding us back. The stone is whatever is blocking our vision so that we can't see. Remove the obstacle, and then maybe we can come out. Of course, Mary says, Lord, it's been four days. Surely there's to be a stench. And here we go again. Listen to him. There's going to be a stench. Did I not tell you that you would see the glory of God? We're back to glory again. What's the glory of God? You and me fully alive. What is God's greatest desire? You know, not a doubt in my mind. You know, when especially adolescents come and they're really having a terrible time with their faith and a terrible time at home. They, they don't know they are betwixt and between. I said, here's your penance. You are to go and you are to pray to God. Lord, give me whatever I need to make me the best, most wonderful, happiest, beautiful kids in the world. I said, is that an easy penance or not? They went, yeah, yeah, it's pretty easy. I said, can you pray that one? Yeah, we could pray that one. I said, it's a perfect prayer. Let me tell you why. That's your agenda. That's God's agenda. You got the same agenda. God has only one desire, and that's for the fullness of life to dwell into each and every last one of us. That's what God wants for us, and it shall not be denied. Roll the stone away. Lazarus, come out. Come out. And, of course, he comes out, and he's, he's bound. What's Jesus say? Untie him. Let him go. You're free. You're alive. Now remember, this is a resuscitation. This is not a resurrection. This is the overture. This is the warm-up for what's going to be going on during the sacred triduum, what's going to be going on all next week, what we are going to be not just reenacting, but living, entering into and living. Lazarus, come out. Untie him. Set him free. Oh, the stage is now set for the great mystery of life. And the question is, are we willing to enter into it? I love what Thomas said right before they take off. Let us go with him to die with him. It's almost like a throwaway line in the the gospel, but I don't think it's a throwaway line. You see, there's no life without death. Of course, the first thing to die is is the the belief that we are going to cling to life at all causes. But life is part of death. It, It is as natural as breathing, but it is not an end to life. One of my favorite toasts is given by my Swedish friends whenever we have a little banquet, and it's a Swedish banquet. They they always end with the same toast, and I love it. I just love it. They hold up their little schnapps or their glass of wine or their after-dinner drink, and they look at you right in the eye, and they say this, may you live until you die, and then may you live forever.